Welcome back into JR the Boss Man Show. We have a joint by the Seattle Seahawks defensive end. He's a 12 out of Texas Tech. It's Brandon J. the Boss Man Show. Brandon, what's up, my man? Uh, not much, man. Doing pretty well over this way. I hear that, man. So talk to us, man. Uh, how's your offseason season been so far, man? You've been working out real tough up there in Seattle, man. Uh, how have you the OTAs going to start up in a couple of weeks here and you get out there kind of compete on the field and show the coach Carroll and the guys what you've been doing all offseason long and getting ready to compete for that right roster spot there? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get back and get to work. and working on working out, working out different places. I get different people on, uh, you know, different teams, a team like that, competing with them. And uh, just, you know what I mean, matching up my skills to their skills. And I'm just really glad to get out here in front of the, front of the 12, in front of the coaches, and show them how, how I've grown my game since we last ended. Now, Brandon, with the, some of the changes that uh, have been made on defense, some of the veterans have moved on, has that given you kind of a, a sense of opportunity that you can establish yourself a little more and kind of entrench yourself in a spot long term on the roster for years to come? Well, you know what? The thing about the veterans that we did lose were those guys were, uh, uh, I mean, they're clearly a face of the defense for a long time, you know, with Sherman, with Michael Bennett. But uh, the competition has always been there. And the thing about Seattle has always been a place of opportunity. That's how those guys kind of got on. You know, you think about Michael Bennett undrafted, going to camp in Seattle, and then being lost and going over to Tampa Bay to coming back, and Sherman being a receiver, return corner, coming over to Seattle with his top of Pete Carroll being crew and things like that. It's just been a place of opportunity from the jump and uh, I always heard about you know it don't matter if you were drafted or not they want to play the best players and they kind of showed me that last year whenever they had signed me listed on the practice squad before moving me to active a week later and uh, immediately throwing me in the game and getting about 30 snaps in a uh, division game where we you know we were over there at the time fighting for first place with uh, LA and um that just shows, you know, that the practice and it's all about competition so I mean with them those guys being moved on uh, I mean, there is a greater need for, you know, the younger guys to step up. And, there's, of course, opportunities there. But that's just the culture around Seattle. It's, it's, it's been an opportunistic football team. You got that right, man. And let's talk about it being defensive meetings with, with Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Frank Clark and those guys, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Richard Sherman. So what was it like for you as a young guy coming in? It's just to be, I know you won that long, but to be around them guys for that short period of time, learn how they work, learn how they pre- prepare for games, learn how they how they think about the opponent, the quarterback, the receivers, knowing everybody's on the field, the responsibility. So how was it for you to get this soaked it up for all those weeks that was, you was all together with, with those guys? And it was real good. It was good. I was, like I said, I wasn't there for uh, as long as I would have liked, but just being around those guys, I felt immediately why they're such a good group and why they were together for so long, why they won Super Bowls and competed for Super Bowls and were deep in the playoffs because the, uh, just the brotherhood with those guys on another level, you know, you didn't have to beg anyone to watch film. And if you had too much arguing going on in the film, you know, there's a lot of big lines, making sure to get better. On other teams, you see teams who are – they me as a position group, you know, they'll have a close D-line group or a close DP group. This group here was close on all three levels, line by the defensive end, the defensive back. And I think that just goes for, you know, the, the guys you mentioned who have been around for so long and having won and lost together and fought together. So it, it was easy to communicate on all three levels of just showing, you know, as a DB showing, hey, when this coverage is right here, I'm expecting the ball. I, I'm expecting you guys to cover a little longer because when they're showing this route, it's going to be deeper developing. We'll be able to lock up along the line if they're fast enough. On this one right here, we're saying, hey, DBs, we got to make this play because D-line is most likely not going to get it here. I know, you know, with Sherman, he would say, I know right now, if they're coming out with 
this guy right here in this spot, this is going to be a quick route. He lined up to help us. You know what I mean? Things like that, just working together on all two levels and without the coaches having to be breathing down your throats. So I, uh, I think I really learned how to become a, a professional with just a year being with us. Uh, yeah. Now, Brandon, one of the things that we get asked frequently from uh, listeners and they ask our perspective on it, being on the field level, watching some of these big plays happen on field level, uh, they want to get our impression of it. So I'm going to ask you specifically with Russell Wilson. He does a lot of improvising, makes a lot of great plays out of nothing. Sitting there watching this happen on field level, what's it like watching him do it on the field? And, and do you have to deal with that sometimes in practice? And you like, you know, maybe he, he pulls some of that stuff on you in practice and it's it's kind of, um, you know, give me, if you give us our, uh, an impression of that as well. Yeah, he pulls a lot of that stuff in practice where, you know, on, on, on defensive side, we'd be like, no, sack, sack. He would have been sacked, things like that. And then he comes around the next Sunday and does the exact same thing. And it makes you wonder, like, I guess I would not have sacked him on that play the way he just did that. And you're still in awe, even though, like I said, he just did the same exact thing in practice. You just, wow, you know, it's third and ten. And you're like, ah, you know, defense, buckle up. We're about to get out there. You know what I mean? We'll have to go get, get another stop. And then you see Russell run around, do three backflips, and then chunk it 60 yards, and then we got a touchdown. You're like, okay, I didn't expect that. It's just a wild fact that he got with him. <laughs> he's a live joystick, ain't he, Brandon? Man, he's a magician back there. I hear that. We got Brandon Jackson, Seattle Seahawks defense lineman here on the Boss Man Show with Majar, R and John here. Now, Brandon, now, you played in Oakland in the black hole. They got the Raiders for two more years, potentially, out there in Oakland. You played in, at, at the Central Link Stadium there with, with the 12. So talk to me. The environment. How's the environment in Oakland? How's the environment in Seattle? You you played with some live crowds, man. You, you're using the NFL, man. You, you lucked out right there. So how's that vibe with these fans yeah. on both of them, Oakland and in Seattle? Man, the, the fans on both levels are just crazy. They're great. In Oakland, man, they, they, they're, they're so proudful about their team and the bay and the and the town you know, they call they call Oakland the town, and it's just I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain the black hole because when I got there, it was when we the whole thing was return to greatness, and we had that year to kind of put Oakland back on the map. And you know the, the fans were crazy. It was everything that I ever heard of the tennis faces and things like that. I mean, it was just I mean coming up from Pittsburgh, the closest thing I've ever seen was you know the steel curtain and what we had out there. But Oakland was it was it was amazing. But they, they, they really don't have too much on the 12th, though. That it's, I don't know if it's the way that the structure is built or our stadium or what, but it seems like we have uh, a less of a of, of a um, population, but it's just 10 times louder. It's, hard, it's harder to hear. Like, I've been open. Like I said, I've seen the fans go crazy, but on that field with the 12th, it gives you chills. When they're, when they're up and roaring, and this, and this offensive defense is going, it's a home game. No matter who it is, inside out, this time when you can't hear anything on offense or defense, so it's just you know, they're playing football, and that's when that that gel comes together, that brotherhood. So I mean, I love, I love being in uh, Oakland. I love the fans out there, but the twelve just showed me a, a whole different side of football. Now, Brandon, were you on a team when they played the Falcons on on Monday Night Football? Uh, yes. Okay. I was on the Falcon sideline. I was freezing my butt off, brother. Like, I was like, I couldn't wait to get in the locker room after that game. But it was like, it was a heck of a game, man. I know it came down to a kick or whatever, but I tell you what, man, I, my ears are ringing. But I had a good time, though. I enjoyed myself, yeah. you know, 
I saw you guys play in Tennessee as well. Like it's the Titans. It was a hot day in Nashville that day. But, I, I, I mean, the 12s, they even all came on the road to Nashville. And I, they was giving us a hard time on the Falcons hotline. But I had a good time dealing with it, man. So, like, I, I feel you, man. Been around them fans, man. It's crazy because here in, here in Atlanta, we don't have the best fans in the world. You probably already know that. So, it's like they, it's like the same vibe. But like on the road, it's like the vibe is so crazy. I wish we had that here in Atlanta for, for the Falcons as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember that game. That that was a cold game you came to. I was cold too. If I wasn't playing, I don't know. That's the thing though about the twelve. As cold as it is, they're right there, and they don't they they down to the very wide, just screaming and hollering. It was utterly ridiculous. And it, it came down to the last the last couple of drives, and I believe our fans, you know, almost affected not around a few times, but folks was able to pull it out. No, no, I mean it's just bro. Now, when it's cold like that, now I see I see some like warm skin and stuff. You know the guys put on layers. So, how do you deal with the cold weather when you get it in a game? Is that certain? Is that something you that you put on extra layers? You go on the warm skin. What's your trick or trade to kind of deal with the cold weather? Because no Seattle can get some cold games in Seattle, and you can even come out east yeah. and have a cold game as well. Yeah, well, you know, everyone deals with it. You always got the guys who you want to show. You know what I mean? That. It's mental and mind over matter and things like that. But I'm more of a guy who in the long run. I don't want to be sick. You know, got nothing to do with the day of being cold. I can deal with it for a day, but I, I just hate being sick. So I wear sleeves. But then again, I wear sleeves all year round. I'm always in long sleeves, T-shirt under my uh, under my uniform. So it's nothing different. It's not a major difference for me. I just like the way it looks. So I, I'm a sleeve guy. My man. <laughs> my man. <laughs> Uh, I was just gonna say this, Jr. All the way through. If he if he was out there, he'd be he'd be like uh, wearing a parka underneath this. <laughs> <laughs> now you see some crazy things, man. You see you see some guys pull out. Pull, you know you got the guys that throwing the Vaseline, throwing a, a warm skin, a tight under armor, and then a, a long sleeve t-shirt over top of it. I'm like, you're gonna die if there's all that all that heat, and you get to running and sweating. I don't do that. Like I said, all year round with long sleeves, practice games. That's just kind of my style. So. When it when it comes to getting cold, I I don't never have to tell anyone, you know I don't gotta look like a like like, like a punk because I'm I'm sleeping up now. It's it's just part of my style, and I always try to say I'm from Pittsburgh anyway, so it ain't gonna be too cold for me. I like to think that growing up there for 18 years made made me a little bit more tough skinned than that. But you know it's always fun to see people who usually are sleep or don't wear sleeves and have their arms all out, and then all of a sudden they got on t-shirts and stuff. I know last year I used to always take with Sheldon, but I mean don't don't come on now, don't take my style now. Jumping and putting all these long sleeves, people just confused on TV. <laughs> just jokes like jocking that. Your style, man. I don't know where Craig Mac. Hey, jocking your style, bro. Hey, jocking your style. Yeah. The, the other thing you guys got to deal with up there is sometimes you get that cold, wet rain, and that's sometimes even worse than like a dry, cold on the yeah. East Coast because it just gets you yeah, so exactly. wet and cold. So that's that's to me could be even worse. Um, but yeah, at yeah, any rate, I, I agree too. Yeah. So. Talking about a little bit more about on the field, defensive ends. Uh, who, who do you enjoy watching? Current, former. Um, who, who have you, you know, looked to to kind of see uh, where you might be able to improve your game? Maybe borrow a move here, try a technique there. Who are people that you enjoy watching play the game at that position? Well, you know, I was lucky enough to play with two of the guys that I watched back growing up. But coming up in college, my my coach told me that for me to make it the way I was built. I could put on weight, take off weight, but I was seeing something by some NFL scouts, the tweener. He told me the way 
my path to success was to play like Michael Bennett. And as you know, I played with him last year. I took a lot of stuff from him. So I was watching him before he he uh, got into the league. I watched him at A&M, watched him go through this whole process of getting snubbed and not being drafted, that, this, that, that. So that was one guy who I watched and I continued to watch. And it was really good to see the man behind the, uh, the, the highlights films that I've been watching on YouTube for so many years and get to know him and get to hang out with him and pick his brain a little bit more. So I definitely steal a lot of my game from him. Uh, I was I was lucky enough to play with Khalil for a year, and Khalil Mack. We all know what he's about and what he's done, and uh, he's he's a really unique talent. Somebody like to watch. Um, I look at Xavier, uh, he's just a freak of nature, so it's hard to emulate some of the things he does. He's just more reaction, you know, things like that. But uh, I think the one I watched the most last year, just based off of just I don't know, he just had an amazing year was just Calais Campbell, and there's not a lot of people built like that man. That's a different thing, but. Just the way he was able to play inside and outside and the moves he was able to do was real, real interesting to me. So I paid a lot of attention to him last year. And then Dr. Aguero's defense was balling too. So it was exciting to watch. It was easy to watch. What about uh, Dwight Freeney? Were, were you able to pick up anything uh, from him? As, Man, uh... I couldn't steal. I couldn't steal that move. <laughs> I, I tried so hard to steal that spin. And everyone knows where it's coming up. As old as he was, people in practice knew it was coming. He still won't. The thing I, I, I tried to realize was if he spin it off his up foot or his back foot, so I, I, that's just a, I don't know if it's a combination of skill and his body size, the way he's built, low to the earth. I don't know, but I don't get it down. In fact, I hit, I hit a couple of them this year. They, they worked. My best one was against L.A. It should have been a walk-off sack, but I ended up slipping. I didn't have, the, I didn't have my footing right, and I ended up just getting a quarterback hit instead of a walk-off sack. That's just something I can't say I, I completely stole. I'm definitely trying to. I, I invested, yeah. Yeah, that's, that one's got to be tough to pick up. So, got a couple more for you, Brandon. You're killing it, my man. So, let's keep on rolling. We got, uh, let's see here, JR, what you want to talk about? Pat Mahomes? You want to talk a little about Pat Mahomes? You went to school with him, played ball with him. What do you think yeah, about yeah. Uh, him ending up being a starter in the NFL? Uh, Pat, Pat's the real deal. He's a, he's a real competitor, so I'm not surprised at all. I, I figured he'd come in there. Learn what he could and hit the field running. And it's funny because when Pat came into college, you know, he was drafted in baseball, turned that down, came to Tech. And the first day, <laughs> first day of practice, spring ball, we seen this man throw a five year out. And it was terrible. I was like, oh my gosh, how did, how did anyone in MLB want you? And why are you our quarterback? Uh, but, you know, he grew up to have that strong one great but I was like, I've seen him with that thing, so he reached the sideline. But Pat's a competitor, a great player. You know, a great friend. I still talk to him and keep up with him. And we linked up and went to some Texas Tech basketball games this year. Um, I was a little bit surprised that they moved on from Alex so fast because of how good he is. But when the guy, when you, when you draft a guy that high, you, I mean, in the business, you understand it's coming. It's going to be moved sooner than later. And I think Tyler have a good year and uh, impress a lot of people and just be him. Like I said, he's a competitor. So I'm sure he'll get better week by week. And if I ever run into him, I'll make sure to remind him who, who, who taught him the ropes when he came up at Tech. You got that right, and Brandon. I tell you what, man, Chris Beard and your you and your boys played real well down at Texas Tech this year. Better running the tournament, man. I mean, that was number one for a while, man. So Tech basketball's coming up too. The the the, the TT's coming up, and all sports I see, man, down there in Lubbock. Yeah, man, the double T. We we we're, we're out there. Though. They're striving for greatness, you know, fighting to better one way or another. Little color city, little city, but we get a lot of we get players who just love the sport. I think that's what you've seen on uh, Texas Tech this year. You know, you had a couple of seniors, a lot of freshmen, but you can just see the love of the game, the truck they had in their coach. And they were, they were brilliant, man. I wanted them to win one more. They got to the final four, I was going to go. 
I was going to take my little, my little chump change and give me a little court-side seat and go see, see, see the show. But I got to see him in Leopard a couple of times. It was pretty good getting in front of that lovely crowd and seeing him show them on. Now, I got one more for you, man. Now, talk to us about your game day ritual, man. What do you do to get ready to play on Sundays? And what's your playlist? Is it some Future? Is it some Migos? Is it some Gucci Mane? Is it some Chris Brown? What you got in the, in the iPod and the, on the phone when you get ready to go out there and knock out these quarterbacks, man? Yeah, well, when I, when I get, my playlist is it's crazy because you, you come on, uh, I, get, I get ready, you know, I get dressed. And as I'm coming to breakfast and all the way on the bus, it's all sloppy, all R&B. I listen to Lil' Jill Scott. Um, I love listening to the Fuji's. I listen to Usher, um, Charlie Wilson, all slow type music, kind of like the calm before the storm. I listen to that all the way through till I get to the stadium. When I get to the stadium, and when I turn it up a little bit, and that's when you start hearing your features and your Migos. And I listen to Wife and Lucci, that's probably my favorite word. Um, yeah, that's when we get going. So it goes from slow to real fast pace. And by the time I hit the field, um, after I get out there and get a couple of warm-ups, and I might listen to them, that's kind of weird. I listen to whatever the team got playing in the locker room. And, Bad with my teammates and things like that. Okay, so out of your friends on the team, I'm saying friends, right? I don't want you, you know, make any enemies out here. But you got friends on the team. Who do you <laughs> who do you make fun of for their 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 pregame ritual, or who has the goofiest playlist that that's out there? Man, I think it, it, it might have to be Arthur Smith. And the thing is, I haven't figured out what he's listening to over there. But I know. It's, <laughs> It ain't nothing that he wants us to hear because he, he, I don't know. The way he's dancing, I don't know if it's some Irish music or what it is, but it's really a upbeat, maybe some techno. I don't I ain't figure out what it is. I know every time we go try to look at his phone, he put it in his pocket and walk away. But yeah, he's a, he's a little goofy boy. That's not what he's listening to. I, I think that you guys know. No doubt. Hey, Brandon, my man. We enjoy having you on the show, man. We're glad to get to talk to you, man. We're going to be watching you all year long, brother. Channel, turn you on, man. Anywhere you go, man. You all on the Boss Man Show, JR and John. We love to talk to you on the road, man. Good luck at OTAs, man. Stay healthy. Talk to you on Training Camp Town as well, my brother. Thank you very much. All I right, folks. Brandon Jackson on the Boss Man Show. Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathletics.com. Consulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 607. Once again, 
AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Boss Man Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. things that you have to do in preparation in terms of preparation is to to make sure you got that ball security locked down for when you get into live action Uh, you need that of course in traffic and things like that but just like i always have a part in your hand just having that that feel of the ball just having a good feel for the ball and things like that so so just overall that having that feeling it's positive vibes for you you know maybe Connecting you with the football, so to speak. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Just, like, especially like going through traffic, going through in between the traffic and things like that. Like you just, you just need that feel. So, specifically, what are some of the other things that you think you're going to be focusing on uh, this year as a player to improve your game and compete for that roster spot? Um, just so I'm, I guess that I'm a change. Um, pace back. Now that I uh, just had to like coming into the NFL, coming from college, just had to like show myself as like I can be a like a third down back or whatever, and be like catching balls out of the backfield. But when I was in college, I was uh, every down back, but now I have to show that I can be a change of down back and play on special teams and things like that. Now, Russell, you look guys like Kevin Falk or Rex Burkhead or Darren Sproles probably out there in the Chargers as well, or Corey Clement. These are the kind of guys you want to emulate to try to say this how I can take my game to the next level to be a all-purpose back, split out wide here, third down, back rounds, option routes, those in routes, kind of reading, knowing how you can be the safety and the linebacker so you can know every spot on on, on the defense so you can know where to find open to get up so Phil Rivers can get you the ball, whoever the quarterback is to get you the ball out in space. Yeah, yes, sir, because uh... – Watching film on those guys and things like that, like when it comes to being one on one with a linebacker in the space, like they rarely ever lose, you know. And you just want to just show that you're good in space and like you can run routes, you can be a wide receiver, and you got good hands and good feet and things like that. So that's definitely, yes, sir. That's definitely people you want to like look at to, to see, like, and emulate. 
Now, now Russell, do you kind of, when we watch film, do you kind of try to look at the whole defense as look at guys you're going up against? Because I know when I play ball, I like to look at the whole defense. I know which every guy's responsibility is on defense. I can know where I can find my, my lane, per se, or sit, sit down in my zone, get, get the ball, or what have you. And so, do you kind of look, look at man versus zone, what they're doing, what they're playing, combo coaches as well. And having guy like Philip Rivers, is your quarterback who knows everything for far defense. He has to help you as well, kind of see, see the whole field, know what everybody's doing when you get ready to, to, to run the play. You're all about to run. Um, yeah, Philip Philip is a great guy. Like, he holds his own meetings at times. And, like, it's, it's a few quarterbacks that that I know that, that do that. Like, with, with the teams that I've been on, like, a few quarterbacks, they don't really you know, hold that on me. But he can hold his own meetings and show you what's going on with the defense just as if he's like a coach or anything. Like, he's been around the game that long. He's a teacher of game. You sit, like, he's still, like, well, not, I want I don't want to say still, but just, like, showing people, like, us younger guys, like, what's going on on the field and just, like, I don't know if that's if he's because, like, the few weeks I was back at the end, like, he was showing me things that I didn't know. And, like, I'm, I'm learning now. And, yeah, he's just a great person to be around. So having a guy like that around, that's got that pedigree as far as knowledge of the game, uh, you know, veteran time in the league that you can learn so much from. And, and by all indications, he's he's just a cool dude that's willing to help out younger players. How valuable is that to to an up and coming player like yourself? Um, it just it's very valuable because it just keeps everybody on the same page, you know, with what's going on with the defense and then also with your offense. Because when you have a person like that that knows the whole offense and then what's going on with the defense that you're playing against, then you, you have like a special guy on your team. So very valuable. Russell Hansborough here. And I'm trying to run back here on the Boss Man Show. Now, Russell, you guys play in a unique space, uh, the Self-Hub Center. So I want to ask you, uh, you know, I cover the Falcons a lot, so I go to Tampa every year, once a year. So can you compare playing in Raymond James Stadium, playing Self-Hub Center, and how the fans of both teams this year that you play for, how did you have much you enjoy the divide of each crowd? What's kind of different about each place there from, from a player's perspective? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because it's not a, a huge stadium, you know, but it still it still gets kind of loud, and the fans still come out there. The, they still love the Chargers, even though they move and things like that. Like just being around the city, they don't they don't care that they move. Like they still they still following. So just like being like in that stadium, the first time it was weird because you're like, man, it, it doesn't even like lift up and go in the air or whatever. But just like knowing that, like these fans would still come to a soccer stadium to support the Chargers, or whatever, like that's, that's just a great feeling. Now, Russ, <clears throat> running backs when you when you were coming up, who were some of the guys that you enjoyed to watch play? And and now, as you're in the league, are, are there guys that you like watching film on to, to kind of um, just enjoy their craft on the field? Maybe uh, pull some mo- some of their moves. Try to see if they're pulling some of yours. Who do you like coming up, and who do you like in the league now to watch? Uh, when I was in college and high school, I used to watch uh, Bishop Sankey. I watched Doug Martin, and when he was at Boise, uh, I watched um, a lot of the Michael Jackson. 
when he was in college too, because I feel like me and him ran the same. If there was one person that would say, I feel like me and Michael James ran the exact same, but yeah, those those were the people I was watching in college, but now I watch people like uh, Riddick out there in Detroit, and uh, I still watch Doug Martin. He's the hard, like one of the hardest runners I know, so I still watch him. Um, and and Quiz, like, I've learned so much from uh, Jaquiz Rogers being there in Tampa, and I just like that's I call him my big, big brother now because he's just taught me so much. So I just take a lot from him and, and things like that. And we're kind of built the same as well, like short, stocky guy, and can take a lot of punishment. I feel like, so, yeah. Yeah, I remember Jaquiz when he played with the Falcons or behind my guy. Michael the Burner Turner, who's a good friend of mine, you know. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Real cool dude. Real cool dude with your quiz. We play with the Falcons. And, and how has it been around Coach Mike Smith? Smitty. I call him Smitty. He, was he a real cool guy to be around, though he's on the other side of the ball? Oh, yeah. He was a real cool guy. He still, even though I was on offense, he still um, talked to me every now and then. And, but he was so worried about their defense. Like, that guy, he, he, he loves the game. And you could tell he's very passionate. And, um, just him, like, I remember growing up and being a um, Falcons head coach or whatever, and just, like, almost being a starstruck when I got to uh, to Temple. Just, like, knowing, like, he was around those guys, like Matt Ryan and the uh, people, all the other people that was there, too, was just, like, crazy. Because I just remember that old white-haired man. <laughs> 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 Oh, that was an epic, epic shot. Epic shot on the boss man's hill right there, Russ. <laughs> uh, <Smitty. laughs> so what's what's up with your game day ritual, Russ? You got anything that you do specifically every every game before every game, or or do you kind of play it loose and, and just take it as it comes? Um, No, not, not really. I mean, I, I listen to the same songs, I would say. Since I've been in college, I've listened to the same songs. Uh, same three songs, but I like messing with with a different song too. And then also, I get my I like to get my feet paper for my hands. That's that's probably the only weird thing that was. Gotcha. Now, now, Russ, you know, being Florida loves some future. So, are you a man of the future? Because I know as a Florida resident, a Florida man, myself, I love some future. And John said, Florida man loves future as well. So it's the future song, Florida's future. So, when you down there, did you hear a lot of future going on? Did you love him a little bit? The Migos, Gucci, man, all them guys. Yeah, yes, I, I listen to all of them. I love the music. I love music. Sometimes I feel like I'm from Atlanta. I listen to so much Atlanta music, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I love those two um, artists. Uh, artists so, Florida Man, I've done an unofficial poll, and I have not never met or talked to a Florida man that does not uh, throw down with some future. Russ, it is an unofficial poll, but I'm telling you, future he holds down that state. That's like the, that's like the uh, state song. State, <laughs> that's like state, yeah. It's like the state artist for, for Florida, bro. I mean, yeah, Florida, Florida's right there, so I, I, I can, see, I definitely see that it's not too far from Atlanta. So, yeah, the the music travels well. This music travels well anyway, from coast to coast. Now, when you're out in L.A., do you hear a lot of 
the down south music out there in L.A. because I know when I'm out there, I kind of hear some of the old school N.W.A. stuff. You know, for me, we went out there and played the Rams, man. I'm out there back in Future. That's going to be like, what? This is true. I'm listening to Future. I'm listening to my people back right in the backyard. I'm not banging the West Coast. I'm the West Coast. So what, what kind of music you hear out there in the West Coast, man, to be banging? Um, yeah, you definitely you definitely hear them out there now. Like, they're, like, big in the culture now. So I feel like Future and Amigos and a few other cats from Atlanta, like, they're, they're just a part of the culture. So everybody's listening to them, no matter, like, what part of, of the um, United States you're in, you know? And it's just it, they're just big right now. Like, they're making the music that, that's keeping everybody hyped in the locker rooms, and then it goes from the locker rooms to the stadium. Cause they, that's what that's what they know that the players are listening to. So, yeah. Yeah, there. That's a fair guy for us. Is this uh, Anthony Lynn? Man, he's a former running back. He's he's an African American head coach in the league. So, how does it feel having African American coach the league at you, man? A guy who's playing your position, I'll help you with your craft as well. Um, it's good. It's good because um, just like meeting him for the first time, he's a cool dude. Yeah, he just he just want players that that want to win. Uh, yeah, all he did was just ask me if I was in shape and if I was ready to go, and just went out from there. And just love, just love that he gave me opportunity. You know? And he can definitely, I definitely see myself playing for him and, and things like that in the future. So it's been the few weeks I was there; it was, it was a very good experience, and, I'm, and I've been ready to get back since I've left. Um, Right, Russell and John gonna definitely be supporting you, my brother. We look forward to seeing you do great things with the Chargers, and I hope they keep you on the roster and you make that roster. You be a, a, a constant for those guys going forward, man. You guys support here at ATL for sure. And we anytime you come on the show, brother, we'd love to have you on the only game. Thank you. I enjoy being on. All right, folks. So Hansboro, I try to run it back here on the Boss Man Show. football season is fast approaching and if you're looking for an edge this season you need to contact the guys at draft day consultants the concept is a simple one. draft day consultants takes your requests and connects you with one of their trusted analysts who then guide you through your draft whether you just need a sounding board on decisions or if you need them to conduct your entire draft draft day consultants has you covered every one of their consultants has a proven track record of success and have conducted hundreds even thousands of mock drafts Thanks to this year-round research and analysis, the guys at DDC have an unmatched understanding of player values. So gain an edge on your league mates this season by hitting up DraftDayConsultants.com. That's www.DraftDayConsultants.com. Now get after it, fantasy footballers.
Welcome back here to JR the Boss Man Show. We're joined by New York Jets linebacker Michael Alway here on the Boss Man Show. Michael, how's things up there in Chicago, my, my good brother? Man, it's good. It's cold, though. It's, co- it's cold. <laughs> Man, I can only imagine how cold it is up in, in the Chi Town, brother. It's 81 degrees here today in Atlanta. <laughs> Man, I missed that weather. That's in that Texas weather. I hear that, man. So, think about Texas and Chicago. Is it's, it's great food in both of these different towns. So, being a football player like yourself, man, with a nice, strong body. So, how, how do you control the urges not to have to eat all the, the, the good delicacies these towns have and get out of shape, man? How do you how, how do you fight the urges? Man, I mean, for me, I just I just neutralize it with just working out. Like as long as I have a good workout. I can eat that way. But if I don't work out, I, I try not to go towards that route. Exactly, man. Because every time the Hawks, the Falcons come up with that play, the Bears or the, or, or the Bulls, I'm always like the pizzas, the, the, <laughs> everything. I'm like, it's crazy in Chicago. But, but you said that weather, man. I'm a Florida guy by trade, a, a, a guy from the Dominican Republic by trade. So I'm an island, tropical kind of guy. So when I go on these trips, man, I can't take it. I'm freezing. So I got to ask you, man, you play ball in Canada. So how did you yeah. deal with the weather up there? Did you wear some warm skin? Did you wear layers? How did you deal with that cold up there in Canada, that North Pole Arctic cold, man? I mean, you know, honestly, I was lucky because I was in um, British Columbia, uh, which is on the West Coast. So basically, I mean, it feels just like California most of the time. And we're the only team that has a dome. So the home games are straight. Now the away games, when you play Saskatchewan, Ottawa, basically any other team, it, it was a problem. <laughs> it was a problem. I just wore everything I could, but you know, not too much to slow me down at the same time. Exactly, I feel you on that. Because if you wear too many layers, it will slow you down for sure. And I know yeah. you don't definitely don't want to look slow on film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So talk to us, Michael. How's your offseason been so far, man? And how sorry do you get back to OTAs in a couple of weeks to kind of show the Jets what you're all about and show the Jets what you learned up there in Canada and how you can impact their team going forward? You know what? I mean, this this is like a transition year. It's like I'm back at it, you know, out of college. I went to Tampa Bay, had a little stint with them. And now, you know, I get this second opportunity, which, you know, I'm blessed to have. Not not many people get this second opportunity to show their, you know, their worst. But, you know, Canada, for me, was a huge blessing because I feel like I got better as a defensive player. I mean, one-yard rule, three downs, bigger field. I mean, how could you not get better from all that? And, you know, it kind of just reminds me of, uh, you know, those baseball players that come from, like, the Dominican Republic, you know, Puerto Rico. They used to play baseball with those, you know, small little beans. They'd come to the major league, and they got this huge ball you're throwing, so it makes it easier. So I feel like the transition is just going to make me better. Yeah, if you could, Mike, show uh, a list of some different rules between playing in Canada, playing in the NFL that you know is better than one year. So, like, for me as a as a defensive player, the biggest one is, you know, there's only three downs. So, you, you know, what that means is basically you can't really just run the ball. You know, at the end of the game, if you're up by a touchdown with three minutes left, that does not mean a guaranteed win. You can't run the clock out because it's two down. So you really got to be really good with your pass coverage. And um, 
you know, luckily I came from Texas Tech, and that pass coverage kind of, you know, translated to the CFL. And there's a huge field with receivers that can start. The slot receivers can have a full head of steam start. So you got people like, you know, Jakeem Grant, who's, you know, plays for Miami Dolphins. I can't even imagine him having a 10-yard head start before the ball even snapped. So that that's probably the biggest thing, you know, 10-yard head start and then pass rushing rise. There's a one-yard difference. There's a one-yard – you have a one-yard neutral zone. Instead of crowding the ball, you can't crowd the ball. you got to crowd that one-yard line. So for pass rushing, if you get sacks in the CFL, you for sure can get sacks in the NFL. I mean, go – Go ask Cam Wakes. So that's what I say about that. You got there, right? We got Michael Allward here in the Bossman Show. You're just linebacker on the Jets roster right now. Now, Michael, uh, I, now having that field the, the, the upright and right there in the front of the end zone, that had to be weird. So I'm pretty sure offenses use that, the, the goal post, as a way to run pick routes, right? Yes. Yes, they do. And you know, another big thing, too, is other than the goalposts being right there in front of you where they can run pick routes, um, another thing is the run game. Um, you, you got, you, the pole's there, so if you got to cover the A-gap and the gap is right there, you got to move around the pole. And then another biggest thing is uh, they got 20 yards in zone. So the DBs and us linebackers, we got to cover all 20 yards of that end zone. So, covering the NFL field is, is pretty much, man, it, it, it's a mistake. You have to cover all that territory. I mean, yeah. I mean, compared to the CFL field, it, it, it's better. Now, Mike, we have a lot of talking in the NFL about this new lower in the head rule, targeting rule. Uh, how is it hitting up there in Canada? Is this, is this, is this big to do about concussions or lowering the head or how you hit somebody or is it old school football thing in Canada? You know, for me, it's just, it's just a matter of, um, you know, seeing intent in a player and what's natural, like what your body can do versus what your body can't do. I think there's a lot of uh, misconceptions out there on what's lowering your head because, um, I've had I have my fair shares of uh, <laughs> fines in a CFL, you know, and in college and stuff like that. Not fines, but you know, uh, people trying to tell me to calm down. And I feel like it's just uh, there, there's player safety that should be reviewed on the defensive side as well. Because, um, for example, uh, an offensive player can come, you know, head down and try to go for my knees. And he has his head down, completely down to the ground, and he can do that all day long. But if we go in the same way to try to make a tackle on a running back or a receiver, all of a sudden it's a flag and it's targeting. So I just, you know, as a player, I would want consistency with that. But I also do want people to have less and less concussions and, you know, that whole CTE stuff. And, um, you know, I got a new helmet, the Vices helmet. That's all what I wore last year in Canada, and I feel like, it helped a lot. Exactly. And, Mike, I'm with you. Now, I'm an offensive guy myself, but I, I realize that it's just part of it is the game is the game. If two moving targets, you can't really – things are going to get hit a certain way, no matter how you do it. We both going for, for yeah. the same ball across the middle. We both have a right to that football. I mean, if we both going for it, we may hit, we may hit head to head. Or I might catch the ball. I may duck my head, and then you hit me in the head. It's not you targeting my head. 
I ducked my head, and you yep. having to hit my moving target. So I feel like yep. there's not a lot of sense being made of it, Micah, and I feel like, you know, people it is said in a suit in New York City or wherever you at and make up these rules where you're not the one out there having to play it under those rules and, and just understand what's going on. I just feel like yeah. so many people don't, don't, don't get it. Like the way we, you and I get it, that's from playing, for, from playing the game. Yes, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a science guy, so when they come and tell me, like, you got to do this, like, uh, for example, I hit uh, Finch from Calgary last year. And Finch is, uh, he, he's five foot six, five foot seven, And he was coming across a, a crossing route. And the quarterback stared him down. So, me, you know, I couldn't get there in time to make, make a pick. So, the next best thing is a big hit. So, for me, I mean, I already got flagged that game. Actually, I didn't get flagged, but I already got, you know, looked at that game for hitting someone else. So I was thinking, all right, let me put my shoulder, like, let me get low, make sure my head's up, and hit him. But when I hit him, he's five foot six, and I'm six foot. So that's four inches already. You can't scientifically tell me that I, I got to get down five more inches and and be in a safe position myself. It, that's hard. That means my head has to be down at that point if I'm getting five inches lower. And, you know, uh, the biggest factor probably that people don't realize is this is instantaneous. It's like a bullet. There's really no time to think all of that. You, you just see ball, Reacting. get ball. It's reaction. So um, the intent, am I trying to hurt people out there? No, not at all. Not even close. I'm just trying to make a play because I have a resume I'm trying to put on the table too. So Exactly. <laughs> I wish more people had our points of view, Mike, on that because I'll tell you, me and you both have the same idea about that. Now, now, I know you're from Nigeria, man, and uh, where soccer is a very prevalent sport there. So, at what point did you decide that football was a sport that you wanted to pursue? Uh, it was actually in uh, seventh grade um, when, you know, in Texas, you start football in seventh grade in school, and everybody did it. Every, you know, I wasn't really into it. I used to see it on TV and change the channel. But seventh grade came around, and everybody in athletics did football, and I was like, shoot, I need to do this, too. And then um, I started off, and, I, you know, the funny thing is I started off on D team, not not C team, not B team, D, D team, like the fourth team. And I played fullback, and, you know, on that day, you know, I cried on the way back home because I was on the bottom of the bottom of the tunnel pole, and I was like, I don't want to be here no more. So, you know the rest of the story. Right, yeah, we do know the rest of the story. You now, you in that CFL, NFL, doing your thing. So now, do you feel like the sense of you and Jerry Tauchu and you played at Texas Tech, and now you with the Jets CFL? Did you feel like there's a sense of Nigeria that more kids are liking football? See, you guys are heroes. See, it's an option for those guys outside of soccer. They can maybe play this sport as well and use some of that talent they have to come over here and show them their speed and their skills over here in the NFL. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, the big, the biggest goal is, like, you know, in high school, only 1% of any high school player will make an NFL. That, that's a fact. But, you know, there's a way bigger percentage that can go to college and get their college played for. And that's the biggest thing that, you know, I believe has helped me because, you know, I, this off-season job, I, I was a researcher at University of Illinois because I got an engineering degree. But, you know, the reason why that's actually important is because – when you're going for your dreams and your goals, 
some people can't because they don't have money to keep on going for the dreams and the goals because you don't actually get paid from the NFL until you play that first game. So you got to make a living out of whatever you, you did in college or whatever you do before you make it an NFL because if you're not a first-round pick, if you're not drafted, you don't got that extra money. You just got to do it on your own, on your own, on your own risk. So, you know, that's what I would hope that, you know, any little kid that looks up to me is like, you know, I'm trying to get a college and I'm trying to play football to help me out in my life. And if I'm blessed enough playing the NFL. Exactly. That education is very important. Because education is power. And if you had that education, you can do anything you want to do. You got to have something to fall back on in case this like football didn't work out for, for me. Okay, I'm, I became a radio host. So my degree in business is helping me be a radio host now and run and run my radio business for its marketing and all on my own. So it, I'm a perfect example of what you were talking about. Is that, hey, I didn't make it, but I had something to fall back on outside of the football field to still be successful today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, man, uh, who are some linebackers you like to watch on film and kind of borrow from their games and kind of put in your games so you can kind of use that techniques to help you on the field as well? Who are some guys you love to watch on film, man, and borrow from? Man, like the first the first guy that comes to mind is, um, you know, Patrick Willis. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that he, he retired because, you know, he retired what, after eight years perfectly healthy and I'm happy for him that's 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 how most people want to go but it's only because the way he played and his the way the way he played is what I try to emulate after because he plays with speed you know that guy he's a guy who plays with speed and you know speed translates into power and all that and the way he used to hit people and you know make big plays like that that feeds off the whole team I mean that that feeds on the the other team. The other team's looking like, dang, he keeps on popping all our receivers, all our own linemen. We can't do nothing about him. And as a linebacker, I feel like if you can change the game from the linebacker position, that's more valuable than any other position on the field. So that's that's probably the number one guy. You know, there's a couple people out there who, you know, Eric Kendrick, all the smaller guys, Deion Jones, Deion Buchanan, you know, six foot, 220, said, said they're too small, but, you know, Deion Jones, Pro Bowl, <laughs> hitting people, knocking people out, hitting Cam Newton, who's 260. You're like, he doesn't care, but he plays with speed. He came with more speed and power. So those are the kind of guys I look up to. And Deion Jones is a great guy. I love talking to him with the Falcons here because he's a great guy. He plays great. He plays a good teammate. I love his, just love the success he's having. He's a great guy. I do great to watch on film now. I know you went to school with, with Pat Mahomes, man. Did you think this guy would be an NFL yep. star and a starter already in the league? Did you see that when you was playing with him at, at Tech? Yeah, I did. I mean, that he he's just, I don't know, it's talent. That's talent. You can't really hide talent for long. So I knew it was just a matter of time until he got his, his chance, and especially when he went first round to Kansas City. I was like, they got a plan. They know what they want. And, they you know, they have a, they have a good team, and he's, he is one of those guys that, He's a, he's a winner. You know, I really wish at Tech, you know, we could have got a championship because we had a whole bunch of competitors, I can tell you that, especially my senior year. We had a whole bunch of people out there trying to win games. It just didn't, you know, fall that way. And he was a big reason why we won a lot of games. And, you know, he has that swagger that you need to play in a NFL. You got that right. And the last one for you is this, Micah, is this. 
What was your game day ritual, man, to get ready to get ready to play, man? So are you a guy that comes to the stadium three hours early? Are you a you know, are you listening to your music? Are you getting your feet? Tell talk about you, you got your game day ritual. What gets you going to play? Go out there wreak havoc on these offenses out here, man. You know, that that's ironic because in the CFL that I like I just changed things up because I went from having the rituals in college and stuff like that, trying to stick to, to a plan. And I just went from that to, you know, I didn't have a ritual. I just, whatever happened that day before the, you know, before the locker room, talk to my, my teammates, you know, get my mind just in a place to where I know, you know, first off, it's a blessing to be out there. And number two, I got nothing to lose because, um, you know, the scariest type of man out there is a man who has nothing to lose. So that's how I played with just that mentality. So I didn't really stick to any plan because you, you never know what the plan is. You might want to go in the A-gap, but then, you know, you have a D-tackle that slants there on accident. You, you got to go. You got to make the play and play like there's nothing to, you know, nothing to lose. I feel that, Mike. And Mike is a linebacker. Is your favorite blitz to double A-gap blitz? Is, is, is that your favorite blitz that you like to do a come on the outside off, off, off a T stunt? Talk to me. So what's, what's your favorite blitz to get off that quarterback, man? You know, honestly, like, to me, it, it don't really matter. But, like, my favorite kind of blitz is <sighs> that's hard. That's hard because, I mean, I can go – the A gap and B gaps are always good, especially because I can use my speed against the guards and centers to, you know, dip and rip because um, I feel like that's probably my biggest asset of my game is the speed coming in there because they, you know, hunkering down on these 300-pound defensive linemen and then I come through, you know, full speed and dip and rip and it's just a switch up to them. So, I guess A gap A gap is pretty good. That's, that's a good play. Yeah, I think that I'm about. The, I, I love the a gap blitz because it forces the defense, well, offense, to change the, the play call, and you know it. And if you know you're just showing it to make them change something else, you're gonna drop out and get you an easy pick. And if they think you coming, you can get a, on a hot route, get you a nice pick, and go with a, a house that sucker. Because trust me, as a oh, yeah. receiver, I have seen million times where I, my quarterback changed the play. Because of the double A gap showing a pre-snap, and they knew he was, and they knew the, they knew all the hot routes and jumped it. They knew it. Like, oh man, exactly. <laughs> he housed him. So, yeah, so man, I that double A gap is always causes chaos for offense. No matter what, no matter if you're coming or you're just bluffing, it always causes trouble. Oh, yeah. off inside, off, offside the ball. Yes, oh, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Micah. Good talk to a fellow football guy like yourself, man. I got to talk, talk ball with you all day long, talk strategy, because, man, it's just great to talk to a football player like myself, man. We, it's getting me all jacked up over here on the show, bro. So, hey, man, yeah, thank best you, of luck thank to you, Michael. Got to have you on again real soon, brother. Good luck at OTAs, oh, yeah. man. We'll definitely keep an eye out here in the Boston Dying ATL, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank all you. All right, folks. No problem. <laughs>
yeah, it's your man JC, the host with the most, baby. And it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. For all your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at BlueberryProductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions. Also, a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you. The debut album from Family Grinding NC, True Speech, and 313 Fresh. We're going to give you two discs, 33 songs of pure, genuine hip-hop. Albums available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, IllStreetRex.com, and streaming live right now on Rhapsody, Beats Music, Spotify, Xbox Music, Slacker Radio, and SoundCloud. Check them out today, True Speech, and 313 Fresh, Family Grind, ENT. Believe in it. Get it. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academics.com and athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. We'll be right back.